0: Her name was almost Ford. (laughs) John chapter 7 starting there in verse number 1. Just the first nine verses here. It says, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in jewelry, because the Jews sought to kill him. That goes back to chapter 5, when he healed a man on the Sabbath day. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou doest this, if thou doest these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world. Cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he had said these things, uh, excuse me, when he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. Ask your blessing upon the service tonight, dear Lord. I pray that you be glorified and honored. Lord, control what I say and how I say it. Help me to stay true to your word. And again, may this help us, especially in regards to your will. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I'm, I'm going to be drawing just simply a, a sort of a side truth out of this, not looking at the main event, what's taking place here. Um, again, Christ is... The bulk of his ministry is in Galilee. Well, I'll, I'll cover that in a little bit. The avenue, The direction I want to go with this is dealing with the will of God and some lessons we can pull from this. We're we're always, it's one of those subjects we always need guidance on, we always need help on is the will of God, it's even the bulk of counseling, people wondering, what do I do? I've been faced with decisions where I have no idea what to do, Um, whether that was the Lord leading me when I was assistant pastor here, and all of a sudden, you know, I believe the Lord was leading to New Guinea, and actually getting to the place of making that decision. And then making a decision as, as such, that's not it. Then it's putting your hand to the plow and not looking back. Then it's saying, okay, I've settled, this is it. You go from there, or to even returning, to leaving New Guinea. Um, so I've been there with it. I've, this, this sermon is not at all going to be dealing with finding the will of God. If you want to listen, I think an important principle along those lines, I would, I would pull up on the church website or our YouTube page or one of those, uh, the, the message on Joseph and the will of God. I believe that gives the key to finding the will of God for your life. And the point of that was, is that it finds you. You don't find it. You just stay close to God. You walk with him. And we see it in the life of Joseph. God's will will find you. Um, and, uh, but so today the direction that I want to go with this is, is for the most of this what I want to look at is you're in the will of God. Now what? Um, how do you go about it? How do, you, how do you finish it? How do you perform it? And so I, I believe there's some things here in John chapter 7, these first nine verses, that we can pull out that will help us be effective in God's will to finish it, to stay at it. Because um, just because you find God's will doesn't mean you perform it as you should. Um, and so, so, anyhow, back into our text right now. Christ, again, he's been in Galilee. That was the bulk of his ministry. He wasn't seeking to go to Judea. Judea was all, if you will, where all the important people were. Um, That's where the the, the nation's leadership was. That's where the religious leaders were. That's where the major place of commerce, you know, it was the the main place of the country. The main province was Judea. It certainly wasn't Galilee. But Christ primarily ministered in Galilee. And, of course, he brings up here, he wasn't about to go there. Since John chapter 5, they've been wanting to kill him. John chapter 5 is already... 18 months into his ministry. It's already half over by the time you get to John chapter 5. By the time you get to John chapter 10, you're in the last week of his ministry. Um, and uh, so that was where he healed a man on the Sabbath day. It was at that point, the religious leadership of the nation sought to kill him. Um, and, uh, and so now, as, as we're coming into John chapter 7, there's a feast here that has come up. It's the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was one of the three required feasts for men to attend. And so his brethren, his half-brothers, Mary's other children. And one of these, would, by the way, would be James, the half-brother who wrote the Epistle of James, who becomes the pastor at the Church of Jerusalem. But as we see here, even though this is getting near the end of Christ's ministry, he still doesn't believe. And we know that his conversion takes place after the resurrection. Um, so they come to Christ, they're basically challenging him, they still don't believe in him. Why don't you go down and... and, and basically, they, they were... They, they, they weren't thinking of Christ's ministry expanding by their words. They, they, were, they were almost ridiculing, doubting, questioning. And so Christ was having this conversation with them. And, and from this conversation, I want to pull out some things where, as we see, Christ simply focused on doing the Father's will, not defending His name not performing something right there in front of his brethren about his name to justify who he was, which he could have done, he's God. But remember, he came to this earth as a man. And in so many ways, he's such a great example for us, and I think he gives us some examples here for us in being able to accomplish the will of God and how we properly follow it once we, once we locate it. And I've got several different things I, mean, I, I don't think we'll be here all that long, um, I'm going to cover the sight, what I mean by that is the location of it, insight for the will of God, wisdom for it, insincerity. There's a lot of those who are, know what to do, but they certainly don't do it from their heart. And then we're going to see the importance of submission mixed with humility. Submission mixed with humility, and then I'll, I'll tie in some steadfastness for this. But let me dive into this night. The first thing I want, to, I want to touch on briefly is the sight of the will of God, or where do I serve? This will be the only one that really isn't reinforcing necessarily performing the will of God. But this one is trying to reassure you to serve right where you're at. All of us right now, you know, this is the Independent Baptist Church of Anchorage. This is the will of God for your life. Serve God. Don't wait for the next thing. You serve Him. You serve Him. That's what you do. If you're, don't be one of those who's always waiting for the next thing. And, and the example Christ gives us here is something that I really like. He's in Galilee. Again, that was that was not a popular province. It was considered the uneducated. It was it had a lot of problems outside of Capernaum. But what really wasn't any nice places they considered to stay up in there. And you know, it was you know they, they were almost looked down upon by the rest of the nation of Israel. Again, just a, just a small portion of Israel. But the Lord Jesus Christ obeyed the Father, wanting to do His will, not His own will. He didn't wait until he was at Jerusalem before the large crowds. Before performing his ministry, he performed it right where the Father put him. Even though it was a small location, you might be in some what you consider to be a, a, some small, obscure location. We have Brother David here from Nome. That's where the Lord has you. It's where He has you. I remember that when when I was in when the Lord put me in uh, New Ireland on that little island. Now, listen, that was an actual mind game battle I had when I'm sitting there working with a couple of villages. With The population of one is 500, one was about 600, the other one about 400. And it wasn't at all how I imagined my life going ministry-wise. It wasn't. And, and sitting there and thinking, but I had to remember, you know, it's, it's not... Here's one thing I, I want you to remember. Location is not nearly as important as your obedience. It's not. And your heart to serve God, it's not the location... Um, that is prominent. It's not the location of what it's all about. It's about the privilege of serving God. Do you understand that if you are getting caught up in the location, well, this is it, this is all I have, or it's just this ministry, I just work in nursery, I'm, I'm just a, a Sunday school helper, I, I just have this. Listen, it's about the privilege of serving God, not the location. Don't make the ministry about you. Always make it about God. <clears throat> Christ, who is God in the flesh, did the bulk of his ministry in the province of Galilee. In the province of Galilee. Incredible. Going in those little towns, in those little villages, healing the sick, performing those, those miracles there, to the point even his brothers challenged him on it. Well, why don't you go to Judea and do this? Come on, it's time of the feast. Why don't you go down there and do all this down there? You serve God right where He had you. Right where He has you. And whether that's Judea, whether that's the Galilee, whatever that might be, serve God. So, not just for location, but the area of service. Don't look for the biggest or best thing that you can do. Just look for areas that you can serve. God will honor that. He will. And then you trust Him with it. We've all seen those who are just waiting, waiting for the bigger opportunity, the bigger opportunity. Now, just be faithful with what God's given you right now, what's before you. Be faithful with it. Number two, wisdom for the will of God. Insight. As we, read through, as we read through here, Christ has this discussion with his brothers, and he uses incredible wisdom. Of course, he knew their heart, and he knows the hearts of all men, but we see here the need for wisdom in accomplishing the will of God. He understood what it would mean if he went to Judea with the Jews wanting to kill him. He understood that. He was using wisdom. In other words, he didn't allow, obviously being God, but as a man, I'm saying, he didn't allow pride to come in. And control this thing. He didn't. He was using wisdom. Worldly wisdom would say, just like his brothers would tell him, head to Judea. Head there. That, that, that's where you need to be. You need to head to Judea. Let them see it. But he used wisdom. He wasn't allowing that. Listen, you're going to need wisdom so much when you're accomplishing the will of God. When you found found where God has put you, Again, just like I mentioned this morning, there's going to be, on a smaller scale, a battle taking place to hinder you or remove you from the will of God. You're going to need wisdom for decisions you make during that time. Even ministries you have right now, you're going to need wisdom. Whether that's leading the orchestra, whether that's leading the choir, whether that's a Sunday school teacher, whether that's in the nursery. I know if I was in there, I would need a whole lot of wisdom when I'm changing some of those babies. And who I'm going to hand this child off to you right now that I'm going to do. But you need wisdom. If you're going to accomplish the will of God, you certainly need wisdom. Do you understand that any one of these ministries we have, any one of them in the church, the devil could easily get a foothold in and wreak it. He could. He can start something small and just explode. You need wisdom. You need wisdom. Seek God for it. The Bible talks a lot, and I'm not going to turn it for time's sake, but the verses in Proverbs we're all very much aware of of how important it is, that it's more precious than silver and gold. Again, without the wisdom of God, you're going to fail at the will of God for your life. If you're if if whatever area of service you have right now, you should be asking God every day for wisdom for it. Please give me wisdom. Help me to do this right regardless, again, well, my mind's just obscure. You have to stop that thinking. You have the privilege of serving God. Be faithful with it and be responsible with it. <clears throat> again, wisdom is more precious, the Bible says, than gold or silver. Why is that? It allows us to follow God as we should. It allows us to make the right decisions for our life. <clears throat> Thirdly, We see here with Christ even a submission to the will of the Father with humility when it comes to the will of God. Humility will always be a key to the will of accomplishing the will of God. It will. Even if you know what God has for you and you're in the will of God, I am telling you, you will mess that thing up if humility isn't present. You will. Humility's key. Humility is allowing you to stay dependent upon God, seeking for his wisdom, seeking for his wealth seeking for his help. Allowing yourself to be submitted to what he would have you to do. Look over in James chapter four. See, when it comes to, really, so many different things in life, and it's very true, even as we're serving God, humility is going to be so important. Because too often we simply desire a name for ourselves or with whatever realm of ministry that we're in or area of service that we're in, whether it's in church or whatever it might be. Don't worry about your name with it. We should not be seeking our own vainglory but simply following the will of God, seeking God's glory. But let's look at an example here where humility does come into play. Let me start down here in in verse number 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. These are a series of some really popular verses right here, because of the importance of the instruction that is given. And it it ties in humility and submission. That without humility being right, you're not going to submit yourself to God as you should. If you want His direction, His lifting up, His guiding of your life, there has to be a measure of humility. Humility is just, it's not thinking of yourself less and degraded. It's not thinking yourself more highly than you ought, obviously. That's the biggest problem we have. It's not, that we, it's not that the biggest problem is thinking of ourselves lower than we are. Our biggest problem is we think of ourselves too high. We're just too important. It's simply not thinking of yourself it's simply concentrating on God realizing your life is his realizing as Paul you can see how Paul what Paul used to remind himself and keep himself humble I'm a bond servant that's all I am. my life is about the master that's what it's about. do you understand that Help him keep a really good mindset in accomplishing the will of God so keep that humility. Work, you know, I don't know how to say work on it? It's something you pray about, and again, as, you, as you're drawing close to God, you know that comes with a measure of humility. It'll help with it. It's certainly something you pray about. You avoid the things that will begin to produce pride in your life, so you submit humbly to Christ and His will. And again, it is it is a major key. To accomplishing the will of God, because the devil can come in, and all of a sudden he changes what you're trying to do in the will of God, and you make it about you. Listen, God's hands pulling off of that. It is, even though you might have found God's will, the devil knows what he's doing. If he can get in there, I mean, he, Satan failed to that, did he not? I mean, he was in the will of God in heaven doing exactly what he was created for, but all of a sudden pride got in, and that changed everything. So humility is a key when accomplishing the will of God. And then we see with Christ's brethren, let me pull an example out here, number four here, what we can learn. Is that there's, even though you might know what the will of God is, for Christ's brethren, it, it, it certainly was, it was the law, it was something they needed to do, was head to Jerusalem. They needed to be there for that feast. So we could say that is the will of God for their life, and it, and it was. But as you can see in their tone in dealing with the Messiah, the Son of God, who they were questioning because they were also children of Mary there's, a, there's a, a great big deal of insincerity here when it comes to the will of God They're they're almost mocking of Christ here it was not sincere that's a danger when it comes to the will of God you can all of a sudden develop carnal intentions just like Christ's brethren had here their heart at this place, as we see, is not about the importance of the feast and what's taking place and, and, and what it represented. No, their heart was far from serving God. Their heart was far from the Lord. It was about themselves. And we can see from here, they certainly did not believe in the work or the words of Jesus Christ. And Jesus told them, you go up without me. I'm not going up yet. Now he would go up to this feast. If you read on he will go up to this feast but he says, I'm not going right now. That's, I'm not going up yet. You go up. I'm not going with you. <clears throat> and then we have that sad statement how they truly did not believe his work or his words. They did not believe in him. And I certainly don't want that said about me. There's a, there's, there's a I think there's there's, it's not only having truth, knowing what to do in the will of God, which isn't that hard. I'm going to cover that in just a few minutes. It's not, it's not really that hard knowing what to do in the will of God. It really isn't. All right. But once you have the truth, then it is going after it in sincerity, with being sincere with it, being true, not playing games with it. Saying, okay, this is what I have. And then you do it with all your might, with all your heart. Regardless of how big it is or how small it is. Not just saying, you know, if the devil gets you in your mind, well, this, this just doesn't matter that much. That's exactly how you're going to treat that. It just doesn't matter that much. Remember what it's about. It's about the privilege of serving Christ. It's about, it, it's about God Almighty. It's about an area of responsibility that, that He's given you, whatever that might be. Be faithful to it. Go after it with a measure of, of passion, with heart. And God will honor that. And then we see there was a steadfastness here. He has this disagreement with his brethren in John chapter 7, but he did not allow that to distract him or challenge him from doing what was right. He knew when he was supposed to go. He knew he was in the will of the Father. He knows that, but he doesn't allow this challenge, if you will, to distract him from what was Right? Listen, as you're doing the will of God, distractions are going to come up that you have to resist. Things are going to come up that are going to try and, uh, try and remove you from it or change your, your, your goal of it. You've got to avoid those distractions. And we can see it. Many times, we can even use Christ again. I can see, I remember growing up as a teenager, there was many times it was uh, uh, um, people in my own family trying to prevent me from accomplishing the will of God. People in my own family. You know, when I was trying to make di- different decisions and still trying to figure all this thing out right. Remember, the church, I was grown in my church, and I'm certainly thankful for that pastor and, and the heart that he had for me. But I, there, there were certainly were issues there. There were. That, that's just being honest. And the Lord is protecting. I was still trying to figure things out. And, and I remember one of the key family members I looked up to, I remember I made the decision in public school, okay, I, I am no longer going to certain events that the school hosts. I'm not going to go to homecoming. Remember, I understand this. In my church, that wasn't preached against. It wasn't. I'm not going to prom. I'm not going to homecoming. Um, I'm not going to do those things. And then, and then a key family member who attended the church, who had been a member there since he was a boy, who had a great deal of influence in my life, sat me down at his kitchen table. and He told me, I'll never forget the conversation, sitting right across from me. He said, Terry, you're taking this too far. You're taking it too far. He goes, you're going to miss out on key things in high school. You're going to regret this for the rest of your life. He goes, you're taking this too far. And and, and when, you're, when you're 16, 17 and still trying to figure things out, you've got to balance through that. Listen, a lot of times it's your own family. I mean, it can be different things. It could be... You know, people at work, whatever it might be, there's going to be things that that you have to maintain a steadfastness when it comes to the will of God to avoid those distractions that once you've determined, and it wasn't just arbitrary, I determined, okay, like to go back to that example, All right, here's why these things can't be right. All right, And and I knew it just because I'm in the Bible now every day, and I just knew, okay, these things just, they just can't be right. And so, once you determine that, and you have truth, You've got to stay steadfast. I mean, look how quickly things are changing right now. Look how quickly churches are changing. I mean, there's not a whole lot of steadfastness when it comes to the will of God anymore. I mean, as the culture changes, we're seeing things just change. I mean, it's as if now we're laying down and admitting, okay, the things that we used to teach and preach, many of them just really weren't truth at all. It was just because of culture. Was that true? Was it just because of culture? Or is our culture actually influenced by biblical principles? You need the answer to that question. <clears throat> so there has to be a steadfastness. A determine that you're going to stay on course. That you're going to stay faithful with it. Now, let me go on to some different helps here. In regards to... Uh, Different themes here with the will of God, and then I'll, then I'll finish. You know, Christ. You know, I, I like not in just in John seven. We see it. We, we see it, we get to John chapter nine, different places uh, in in Christ's ministry. He never looked at his time, the time he had on Earth. All right, he never looked at it as his own. So when it came to accomplishing the will of the Father, it was it was the Father's time. It was the time that was given to him for God's will. There's, again, a submissiveness with this. A devotion to the will of God. It's true of our life. Our time, we've been bought with a price. Our time is not our own to do as we please. But it is to be about the Father's business. So, from Christ in John chapter 7, we have the example where in his life, that in the ministry, it doesn't matter how large or how big. When he goes to Judea and into Jerusalem, he'll do works there too. Matter of fact, on his way into Jerusalem, he's going to ha- happen to perform one of his greatest miracles. He does, and that's the that's the third resurrection that he performed of somebody who had died. That's Lazarus. That's ju- that's done in Judea. All right. So when he needed to, he did. It wasn't about the location. It's not about the size and ministry, the location of it, if you will. It's simply about the privilege of serving God and staying faithful, regardless of big or small, because that doesn't matter. When you stand before Christ at Judgment Day, he's not going to say, well, you had, you, know, you were a pastor, you were just an usher. That's not how it's going to work. He's going to measure you for the faithfulness with which he has given you. That's what he's going to base it on. He is. That's why he says, to whom much is given, much is required. There's a measure of faithfulness. Okay, if you have that much and this is what's given to you. That's why Capernaum is going to be judged worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Because of what was given to them, they certainly weren't faithful with. The miracles and whatnot, and they still chose to reject. So it's based on that. Again, and one of the greatest illustrations of that is John the Baptist. Who was the greatest born among women, but he did no miracle, the Bible says. Never performed one miracle. Christ said, he is the greatest born among women, is John the Baptist. Why? He simply did God's will. What was asked of him, he accomplished. That's what he did. That's what the Lord expects of us. When you stand before Him, but understand that, what He has put before you, you will be judged with how faithful you were to that. All right? Now, some things to remember as we go through this, to try and be helped. There are certain benefits when we are in the will of God and we're staying faithful, all right? All right? For time's sake, I'm not going to turn here because I've got one, two, three, four, five, you know, several different things here, but I'm I'm going to to go through it quickly. Understand this, that when you are in the will of God, that's the place to be. Number one, there's providence there. You have God's hand on you to meet your needs. Matthew chapter 6. What did he say in verse 33? After he laid out all the needs we could have in this life, he says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So as you're concentrating on the will of God, your needs will be met. They will. You worry about your walk with God, staying close to the Lord, and He'll bless, He'll meet those needs, He'll put the right things in your whether it's something that does take place at work, whether you know this or that, He'll bless that and He'll honor it. We know from verses like Isaiah twenty-six, three, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusteth in me. That you, you know one of the best ways you can sleep at night is knowing you're right in the will of God, doing it from the heart. There's a measure of peace with that. We also see several different examples in the Word of God. There's a lot. I mean, I'm, a lot I can turn. I'm thinking of an example right now in Second Kings with with Elijah and his servants. And there's protection in it. You have God's providence in your life. There's peace that goes with it, and there's protection. You have God's protection. Nothing's going to happen in the will of God that God doesn't allow. Nothing. It doesn't mean you won't suffer. It's just you have the peace of mind of knowing "Ah, God's in control. It's all right. It's all right. That's where you get into Peter. says, You don't want to suffer as an evildoer. You want God's chastisement upon your life, and that's why you're suffering. But there is protection in it. I'm not going to get through all of this here some different principles that I have in, in trying to pull from this. I'm, I'm going to drop down to... I've got about four left. I'm going to drop down to the second to last one. This is, this is what I want to get to. Now I'll finish with this. I remember this was taught to me when I was a teenager. I was at a conference somewhere. I don't remember exactly where. And this was taught to me. And it's stuck with me ever since. And it's been a help to me time and time and time again. And it was a lesson. I remember it was a morning session on the will of God. And it dealt with two words. The what and the where of the will of God. What to do and where to do it. What to do and where to do it. And the simple truth that the preacher gave was this. He had said, this is the what of the will of God. This is what you're to do. Be faithful, pray, soul, win, on and on. Be obedient, follow God from the heart. This is what we are to do. All of the what of the will of God is right here. There's nothing of the what that's not in here. All right? The where could be, you know, that for me right now, that's being a pastor of the Independent Baptist Church of Anchorage. All right? For you, some of you are in the United States military right now. Right now, the where is you're assigned to Elmendorf, you're assigned to Fort Richardson, or, you know, in your career that's here, you're, 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 you're an engineer, you're a police officer, you're, you know, wherever that is. That's the where of the will of God. Now, the what is the, the, what is the word of God. The where, all right, now listen to this. That is actually the responsibility of the Holy Spirit in your life, not you. What You have to stay on your side of the fence, and that is the what of the will of God. If you will stay faithful to this, he will control the where. He'll control the where of the will of God. Too often what we do is we get on this side of the fence. We want to control the where instead of just concentrating on the what. Only responsibility we have is the what. God takes care of the where. He takes care of that. You trust Him with it. And I have news for you. The what, they're not equal either. They're not. The what is much more important than than the where. You'd be much better off being obedient in the wrong where than being in the right where and being disobedient. Stay obedient. And allow... You know what verse draws us out? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. And he shall direct thy path. We trust. He directs. Don't you direct. You trust. You trust. He directs. That's what you do. You don't strive for the where of the will of God, which is what too often we do. We strive for the what of the will of God. And then He'll take care of the rest. And we do as Ephesians 6, 6 says you do the will of God from the heart. You do the will of God from the heart. With heads bowed and eyes closed.